911 with that just came up. Yeah, so I need to get an EMS truck, a deceased patient. I mean, I think it's a deceased patient up uh, for, for the, uh, from the house the mother told you deceased. Oh. Hi there, Lena. Hi there, operator. How are you today? Good, good. A little down. I, I find... I find that I just, I'm just not as fun or funny anymore. Since, I think you're funny. I don't know. I just, I feel like I used to just, used to be like a lot more fun to be around before I started doing the true crime podcasting. I guess it's, it's, it has a lot to do with the content and the stuff that I'm thinking about and doing all the time. Mm. But I've been thinking about that lately. I'm like, I need to get more exposure to different things. Because really what I do is like I take care of my kids. I do the podcast. I live in a small town where not much is going on. And I was just trying to figure it out. I'm like, man, I used to have just so much more to talk about when I was poor, like super poor and working like mm. in group homes and riding on a bus. And, you know, and I was, I was just just uh, just thinking about, you know, how, how much how much more fun I used to have when when there was less going on, you know, and. I, uh, like, for example, I used to live in this place just outside of, like, the city. So every day I would have to take the bus two hours in and and two hours back just because I wanted to live in this nicer part of town. And we struggled so hard back then. Me and my girl, we struggled really hard when we first met. Like, our rent was, I think, $1,000 a month. I was making $1,800 a month. And, like, our hydro was going to get cut off. I was stealing food from the group home. Like, I would steal, like, uh, <laughs> frozen bags of milk and put them in my backpack and bring them home. She would, like, give wow. me a list of things to try to steal from the group. Steal. Like, I would I would replace it later <laughs> sometimes. But we were, like, going yeah. to, like, uh, what are they called when they have the free food? Um, food uh, drives. Buffet? No. Oh, food, food. <laughs> okay, yeah, that thing. Yeah. <laughs> like doing the dine and dash thing. You know, just because of all the character of stuff that was happening, there was just always something to talk about, always something to joke about. So I'm thinking about putting myself in, in more difficult situations lately so I have more, more to talk about. But I want to tell you a quick story. Um, when we were in that situation, I bought a car for $500. And we oh, were wow. driving it for a while and uh, there was a Honda Civic, black Honda Civic. It was my first car. I didn't get my license until nice. I was 27 years old. Just to show you like, what? how, you know, I'm a Because yeah, you were a bus, like a bus rider? Uh, late bloomer. I was just riding the bus. I don't know. I just Riding the bus. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know. I left home. I, I just kept on riding buses. I never had a car. I just got into a job and I just didn't have the money for it. And I was just used to riding the bus. I used to write a lot on the bus, think a lot on the bus. Read. I read a mm-hmm. lot. Of, I read the whole Dark Tower series on a bus uh, because of the long bus rides. Wow. And I, I just kind of enjoyed the interaction with people and I would get into arguments and people are very rude on buses. But anyways, it was, it was something I was used to. Yeah. But then when I got a car, this five hundred dollar car, it lasted a couple of months, and then the muffler started making like this noise, and and then <laughs> I'm driving home. Me and uh, my girl are driving home the one day, and the f- tire falls off, the ball joint snapped, <laughs> and, and we skid off to the side of the road. Would have died if we were on the highway. I was actually on the highway, and I sped up because I was hearing, woo, 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 woo. and I was like, oh, uh-huh. the faster I go, the less I'm hearing that noise. So I'm going like one twenty. <laughs> And just and that's kilometers an hour. And uh, I get off the highway, and then it busts as soon as I get off the highway, and I'm on this dirt road. And we're about I don't know <laughs> twenty minutes away from home, but a, the walk is fairly long. So we we have to walk. We walk back. Our car is busted. 
So the next day, I left some stuff in the vehicle, and I had to go back to the car, and I see this、uh, bike that's been beside our apartment for a long time. So I steal the bike because I figure it's a stolen bike, anyways, right? So I just take、uh-huh. the bike.、Yeah. And I drive the bike all the way out there、uh, along this dirt road forever to, to go back to the car. And halfway there, the tire on the bike breaks. <laughs> the, oh my God. The tire on the bike busts. <laughs> and I go right over the top, skid my hands, side of my face, and everything. And I'm standing there, just like, what? Like, what? What is going on with my life? You know? But if that, so, anyways, my point is if all that kind of stuff was still happening in my life right now, can you imagine the stories I would have for the podcast? Instead, you know, life's too good. It would, no, I agree. I hear you. I hear you. My, my thought on it is this is if you, like, you just told a story、uh, from your past recently on an episode of True Crime Kent. Having to do with、uh, an apartment you lived in with some, some different individuals, I will say, and <laughs> that they were requesting that you do a certain thing with a baby bottle. <laughs> and、um, here's all I'll say is if you said to me today, you're like, oh, guess what happened to me last Thursday? And then you told me that story. Yeah. I would be like, oh, wow.、Um, What have I done with my life?、I've、gotten involved with who? Have I? My wife would be like, who, 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 who is the other, the other half of this business? Who, who, who? The guy、yeah. with the baby bottle? Right. <laughs> so,、yeah. at some point, right, you got to bake your life and say, okay, that's a, that's a whole set of stories. But we're building stories now. Like, remember, like, we, like we were, we were, uh, You know, we sent each other some racial, some ra- racial, some racy pics the other day. That was, that was nice. That was edgy, <laughs> right? Yeah. Not racial、sure. pics. <clears throat> no, no. That was last Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> no, we have fun, man. I, 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 I just, I'm, I'm drawing from my past all the time. It's like, when am I going to start living in the present? Like, I, everything's、mm. too good. It's not, it's not that I, I want. Uh, it's not that I think I want things to be bad so I have like better stories, but I just really felt like I was having more fun and I was able to joke about myself. I had more confidence when I was super poor and, and in difficult situations. I had much more confidence than I do now. Now that I have something going for me, I find myself holding back. If someone asks me what I do, I'll tell them something else. I'll say, Oh, I'm part of a media company and. You know, we, we do stuff and they're like, oh, okay, cool. I won't tell them it's a true crime podcast. I don't want them to listen. I don't want it to seem like I'm bragging, really. Right. Yeah. I, I found、oh, that my confidence has gone down since I've started to do better because I'm downplaying myself all the time so I don't get a big head I, or trying,、yeah. trying not to, right? And、uh, I kind of just miss being that misfit, like that guy who was standing at the bus stop in a vest that I bought five years previous and is falling apart and it's minus 30 degrees while I'm waiting for a, a bus to come, you know?、Yeah. I,、uh, I guess I miss those days, but. Life seemed a little more dramatic. I think music,、uh, musicians often state that、uh, those times of, the life, of life are where you write your songs, right? Yeah.、Um, but, you know, yeah. if I put it, it, it made me think of kind of a visual where, like, let's say we're, we're、uh, soldiers, right? And you're in, a, you're in a whole mess of battles as a soldier, let's say. And,、uh, you know, several years in, they, they、uh, make you a captain, you know, and, and you see less of the front line. 
mm-hmm. then after that you become a major. I don't know. Is that the right order? I don't no know. No idea. Major you're and then a boat or something. But yeah. Yeah, and then you're a colonel, and before you know it, uh, you're not you're not telling about last Thursday and how you accidentally got an AK-47 wedged in the wrong you know part of your body you're not you, and you did that because you were bored you're, you're not telling those jokes anymore but i think what's happening is we find as we get older as we become maybe a little more secure we start drawing on all those experiences rather than making new stupid mistakes mm-hmm. we we draw on the ones that we made and hopefully hopefully at some point we become less sheep and more shepherd I guess. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I guess what I'm trying to say, too, though, is that I don't want to be that guy who's always just talking about my past. I want to at some point be living in the present. And I think that that I am actually living in the present because I bet you five years from now I'll be talking about how we started this whole thing, how we started the 911 Calls podcast. There's a lot going on right now that I'm overlooking. Obviously, it's happening right now. Sure. You you asked me a question earlier today, and Mm -hmm. I've thought about it a bit. You asked me, when was I the most poor? Yes. Yeah, and I was thinking about that, and it's—I uh, don't know if the word insulting is right, but it, it seems to insult my the, my pathway that I've been on my life my, through my professional career, at least to say that I've been consecutively poor, consistently poor. Um, I've had a couple flashes of wealth uh, here and there, um, nothing that has been maintained, partially because I've been—I um, don't use my college degree. If that's if that's an indicator, I've always been sort of entrepreneurial. I'm a terrible employee, so I constantly was putting my myself through the cycle of start, reinvent, fail, start, reinvent, fail. Yep. And poverty seemed to be just part of the gig, of I guess you know. And so uh, uh, the answer to that question was, when wasn't I? But at the same time, I feel blessed because. Like take for example the, the the most recent one for me was the the really big low my most recent big low uh, was maybe seven seven eight years ago when I got a divorce and was trying to recollect my life everything was reset for me at that time mm-hmm. I lost my job it was I, I had taken a big risk I had I had left a marketing agency that I had built. And I left this agency to become an executive at this Fortune 500 company, which for me is f- very foreign. I was—I found myself sitting in executive meetings for whole days and eating catered lunch, and everybody's talking about MBA concepts, you know. And I'm like, I don't know how to spell MBA, let alone, you know, I can't keep—I couldn't keep up. That—that that didn't last long. I, I washed out. I pretty much washed out of that. Right, first time in my life where I really felt like I couldn't hang. Um, but it beat me down, I'd say. And I, I was, uh, so I was out, out of a job. I had reset my life as far as my relationship goes. I'm now a single dad trying to figure out my next step, trying to figure out. And then I meet my wife and, you know, trying to figure that all out. And at mm-hmm. the same time, I am just like poor as you can imagine. And I'm doing everything I can to kind of rebuild what I had as far as any kind of clientele base because I gave it all up to go work for this company. So I didn't have like a book of business to lean on after that. And everybody kind of felt betrayed because I left. Mm -hmm. And so I couldn't go back to what I had because it was gone. And so I'd say seven years ago was I was just literally feeling like I was being drugged behind a horse on my lips. 
and it got slowly and slowly better. And when you and I met, yeah. things felt like like there was some momentum. But he, that was a really hard time for you and I. Even. Well, that's the reason why we got along so well, I think, is because we both were used to being like dirt poor and like completely on our ass. And we both aren't afraid to take chances. Like we, yeah. we did all the things that we did. We took plenty of chances and we slowly worked our way back up to relevance in the podcasting world. Right. But a lot of people won't take those chances because from the age of like, say, 17 or something, they'll have like their parents give them a car. Their parents mm-hmm. will pay for their education. Uh, they have – Say parents that are like doctors or lawyers, or they're they're expected to to succeed, and they're expected to to do these, these certain things. For me, there was no expectation like that. I was kind of just floating as soon as I got out of school, and I was just like banging around. I had so many different jobs. I lived in so many different places. I got into trouble. I got into, but I was free in a way, and I yeah. never was afraid because I knew that I could figure it out last minute. So an entrepreneur, like a doctor or someone, would look look at me, and I've talked to them you know, about what I'm doing. Like, how did you end up getting into that? It's like, well, I just kept on trying things until I found something that I, that I liked. I kept on canceling something when I didn't like it. And my goal at this point, I always remember when I was going through those like tough times, I wish someone would come along and give me a chance. I wish someone would just say, Hey, here's five grand, quit that job that you're in and pursue whatever it is that you want to do. I wish someone could yeah. see my potential at any given point and just give me that chance. And there was one guy who actually did that for me. He got me out of debt and I paid him back. But my goal, I've realized now, is if I get more successful, if we get more successful and at some point I'm wealthy in some way, I'm going to start looking for people who don't know who I am. I'll just go to bars and, and just interact with people and just be a normal guy. And when I meet somebody who reminds me of myself when I was younger, I'm going to cut him a check for five grand and tell him to quit their job. I'm going to say, hey, go and do what you need to do. Here's the money for you to start that. Do that. And I want to do that multiple times for people as I go through my life. I want to be that guy who who gifts people like a little little angel guy. I'm looking forward to that. I hope that I can do that someday. You run across those people. Like there's – I really turn my days upside down. I work I work at the wrong times. I don't eat at the right times. And so I end up, you know, shooting from the hip and I'll end up in a drive-thru somewhere or something. And it always seems to be drive throughs or somewhere like that because that's where I'm interacting with people. But I'll, I'll oftentimes come across somebody where they seem much more adept. Like, like they've mastered the job of being mm-hmm. in that drive-thru. Whatever, sure. You know, they, or a they, gas station max, jockey who like washes yes. your windows and is like, thank you, sir. Check your oil. Like, I love those guys. Yes. And I agree with you. I agree with you. Uh, here's here. Uh, not to challenge what you've said, but um, think of this. If if you when you and I had started, let's say we rewind to where we were uh, starting Crime Machine. Mm-hmm. Let's say that. OK. Which, for those of you who don't know, was a podcast that we had. You can find on Patreon.com <laughs> forward slash 1159media. Um, when we were starting Crime Machine, let's just say an angel floated down. Some, somebody that we knew, you or I knew. Mm-hmm. And they were like, you know what? I want to see this happen. Here's $5,000. Mm-hmm. How quickly would you and I burn through $5,000? Like immediately. I don't even know yeah. where we would have spent it because in this game, you just need to have talent and you need to have like, you know, passion for it. But yeah, yeah. we would have burned through it. It, it, would have, it would have sustained us for a period of time. I agree with you. To give chances, you know the one thing I figured out though? 
along the way is that you can't successfully shortcut the process and expect the wisdom that would have come from the process right. to become successful to follow that shortcut. Like it doesn't jump the gap with you. And what I found is you can you can check and balance somebody. So I find somebody to drive through and I'm like, that guy seems really capable. Mm -hmm. I've got a job which pays him more helping me do merch for the store. Sure. I can get that guy in here and I can start to see, okay, so where where does this guy tap out? Where where is it what where's his ceiling? Where where does he want to be? Have I put him in a right role? And I could bring him up in my world at least. If I go to that guy and say, you know what, what do you want to do? What do you want to be? And he's mm -hmm. like, well, you know, I want to do this. And I give him five thousand dollars, the likelihood that he'd burn through that five thousand dollars is as likely as you or I would. But you and I are blessed with an opportunity, and that is to give people uh, a pathway mm -hmm. where the pathway is fact has two things. One, it has compassion, which you don't find in a lot of jobs. We have the ability to to like be patient, and we can fund another podcast if we wanted. We could fund somebody to get their feet underneath them as a podcaster or as a researcher or as a writer. And I love that. Yeah. That to me is exciting. And it feels like we're building, we're not asking somebody to take our money and just jump some gap where they're not qualified to make the leap, but we're actually helping them to see a bridge that wasn't there before, maybe. Absolutely. And let me be clear on that. I heard all that. You're talking about teach, teaching a man to fish, basically, too. Yeah, right? like, I guess. I'm sorry. You're right. No, no, no. But what I'm, what I'm trying to say really is is f that five grand right what i would see in yeah. someone to do that if i was ever in that situation is is time they need breathing space they need time yes. to pay their bills and just be able to pursue something else in that in that given time for for me i could never get up and do anything else because i was paycheck to paycheck and i was so stuck like yes. when you're making like you're making like $1,800 a month and your rent is $1,200. That's the situation I was in. The rent keeps on going up and my job is staying the same with the amount. Right. I'm just so <laughs> trapped and I'm working extra hours and now my life has become this job and the people that I'm meeting there are like my family and you're yeah. just stuck. And before you know it, 10 years goes by and you're like, I don't know how to transition from this because I can't get a breath. And yes. I, I would just like to be the guy who can recognize that in somebody and be like, here's that breath. You know, yes. do, do with it what you will. You're you're a good man because you you think that way and and I I don't think that like you and I we've covered that that ground even as a, at eleven fifty nine media you know we've covered that before and you you and I have had to find common ground where you're you're a very giving person and I I I apologize because my flaw is often to kind of think of things from a business angle and no. not not like how do I risk how, you know how can I make sure that I hedge my bet as much as you know, I overthink things, but what you're talking about is ultimately it's it's the most charitable charitable way to be, and that is you're willing to give somebody literally just a breath. You don't you're not asking them to do anything with that money particularly. You're right. just saying I recognize in you something that I wish I had, and yeah. and you leave it at that, which I think is is unique because I think there's a lot of people where the scenario is you're walking down the sidewalk and you look at a guy and you know he could use the money, but then you check yourself saying, well, I don't know what he'd use it for, so I'm not well, going to yeah, give him I, any. I give that guy 20 bucks. Go yeah, ahead. Well, that's what I'm I, saying. I, I, give, I give him a case of beer. I remember seeing this guy, <laughs> this guy laying in a ditch one time, and uh, the girl I was with, she said to me, she goes, oh, let him sleep it off or whatever, right? Like, he, he, like that's that's too bad, but he needs the rest, right? Because I was going to go up to him and see how he was. So instead of going up and just be like, hey, buddy, you all right? He's going to wake up all groggy and be kind of pissed off. 
I went and I bought an eight pack and a pack of cigarettes, and I placed it beside him with a twenty dollar bill on top and walked away. When he wakes up, he's gonna. And I watched him from the window of the hotel that we were staying at, and he、uh, he woke up. I saw him look beside him, and he like shook his head like, "What? When did I buy this beer? Like, how do I have twenty bucks?" And he just cracked the beer, took a big swig of it, and went walking off. Excuse me, I just hit my microphone. Went walking off into、uh, into his day, and I and and the girls. What she's like, you just enabled that guy. I'm like, he was gonna <laughs> get more beer anyways. It was just I just sped up the process. I didn't want him to wake up covered in dew and be like,、yeah. oh, how am I gonna get it? It's like go get yourself something to eat. Here's the beer. You're not gonna spend it on the beer. I already bought you the beer. You got your smokes. Yeah. Now go yeah. get a twenty dollar crack rock. But I hope you get a burger. Yeah, well,、uh, to that point,、um, charity should just be that、uh, you, you, you're not, you're not the, the money is not contingent upon. There's no contingencies to give charity, right? Absolutely. It, and to that point, like what I was saying, if somebody gave us five thousand dollars, our trajectory wouldn't change because you and I wouldn't really be in the mindset or mode to change much. We would just be like, "Thank you for your money." Now we'll just keep our heads down and keep doing this. So、yeah. we take it as a breath. That guy on the street is taking it as a breath in his own way, and、yeah. that's yeah, that's. <laughs> I think that's the hard part about becoming charitable is realizing that it's not for them as much as it is recognizing our capacity to be to have charity for others. That's、yes. really what it comes down to. I have the means to do so, so I do it. And there's with with true charity, there's no strings attached. Yeah. yeah, and it's and it's、I、not even. I was going to say it's selfish on my end. Like I get a lot out of that. It's not selfish, but what what it is is it's worthwhile for me. Like it means something. Like it's got something to it. You know, like to that that type of charitable act that I'm talking about. You can go and you can give, you know, a bunch of money to a bum on the street. It's like that just is going to fritter away, and you've probably made his life. Where somebody could kill themselves over five grand, you give it to them on the street, and they're addicted to drugs.、Yeah. They can go and overload on heroin, right? But <clears throat> you you pick and you choose the the, the moments. The coolest stories、I、ever hear is like a guy really enjoys his interaction with like a waitress, at, and she tells him his life story. And when he leaves, he leaves her like a three thousand dollar tip. You know, I love those stories.、Yeah. And she's like crying and、tip. goes and pays her rent and takes care of everything right away. That's beautiful, man. Like <clears throat> that's that's the stuff I'm looking for. <clears throat> We're getting there. I'm not looking to enable anybody. I just, you know, the the breath. Yeah, you're right. I like that the breath. You know, <laughs> and I, I here's the thing. I guess bottom line is this: is when are we not capable of giving that breath to somebody? Right. You, know, you think about it. We all kind of say when I am richer, when、right. I am more. You know,、right. if we really think about it, and if we really, if we really. Have a mind of charity. There, we could be giving that breath to, to anybody at any given time. Really, absolutely. You're right, man. You're right. Yeah, talks cheap. Talks cheap. That's right. I don't know if you can hear my garage door opening, but that's going to be in the episode now because my son's leaving on his bike. So, do you need to go and take care of something there? <laughs> no, I do not. I just the garage door opened outside of my stu-、okay. stu- studio. So, <laughs> all right. Hey, we've been talking like this is part of the uncut episode, which oh great, uh, but uh, that's fun. I'm, no, I'm glad we were to, just so anybody knows.、Uh, we we usually add about an hour, hour and a half to every episode on an uncut version of this show on Patreon.、Mm-hmm. Um, that's the last time I'll I'll pump Patreon for the day. I promise.、Um, <laughs> yeah. It's just a fun place. It's another another fun place where where we throw a lot of content. But、um, I do have a question. Where are you to kick things off here, okay, buddy? 
All right. Okay. <laughs> hey, hey, Luna. Hey. Hey, what comes to mind when I say forced tickle? Oh, torture. Some creepy drunk uncle not knowing when to stop, thinking that the kid's <laughs> laughing because it's fun, but they're laughing because it's a response to like how nervous and crazy the whole scene is. I hate that. I hate when some force tickles. It, when I do it to my kids, sometimes I'll do it for like a little bit, and then I'll, like, I'll let them go. I'm like, okay, they need to take a breath. They're not actually having yeah. a good time. This is more about me torturing them. I hate it. I hate force t- I hate tickling. Are you a ticklish person? Yes, very ticklish. Yeah. If you yeah. want to torture me to death, you just strap me to a table and tickle my feet. I, I'll lose it, man. I'll go insane <laughs> real quick. So what you're saying is actual science. And maybe you already know this, but tickling can actually, it causes the body to go into a completely involuntary state of tension. Even when we're not being tickled, but the prospect of an incoming tickle, it can cause extreme tension too. Mm -hmm. And it has actually been used as torture. Even in like the, you know, 220 AD, the Han dynasty in China, they used it strategically uh, because they knew that they could use it as a subtle method to get information out of somebody. It left no tra- trace evidence that they were tortured. Right. Most of the time, you can recover from it, except for if it continues beyond a certain point, the human body will actually die. We would call it dying of laughter, but basically it's dying of the tension yeah. that is caused because the body the body cannot – it's an involuntary response to tickling. So you might die due to a heart attack or asphyxia has happened with dying from tickling or, or even like a brain aneurysm can happen. because So – it uh, it's definitely a, the real deal. Like we, you know, we tickle each other and we tickle children. We don't tickle children. We tickle our own children, <laughs> right? Um, you know, because <laughs> right. we think it's funny. But but to your point, even though we've never killed anyone ourselves, tickling them, we know that there's a threshold, right? And you you know you have to stop. And that's because it it can it actually can be dangerous. And somehow we're wired to know that. <laughs> I used to work, like I said, in a group home, and there was this girl who was in a wheelchair. And anytime you would pretend to rip paper, you would go like like you're ripping paper and go in front of her. Uh-huh. She would start laughing, like uncontrolled, but laughing. So we would all do it all the time to her just oh, to no. make her laugh because we thought she thought that was funny until. I, it was. It wasn't me that realized it. It was somebody else. But I enforced them not doing that afterwards. Whenever I saw it happen, till we realized that she was just reacting because she had a seizure disorder. That's that sound of ripping paper would just send her mind off. Like it was like a you know she was responding to it. yeah. And then she would have a seizure oh. sometimes. So we were like oh, triggering no. seizures on this poor little girl, oh. thinking we were having a good time with her. Oh, <laughs> it no. was brutal. I feel so bad about it, man. But oh. I put it. I put a stop to it, or somebody recognized it, and then we enforced it. Anyways, They're like, yeah, hey, hey, Jack, you ever notice every time you that that paper tear thing, she starts drooling and falls on the floor, and you're like, yeah, it's weird, huh? Hey, wait, she dies laughing. <laughs> oh man, I'm glad somebody stopped, and I'm, I'm glad you uh, enforced it after that. That's good. That's yeah. good. Um, okay, tickling. We got that one out of the way. Have you ever heard? Oh, hey, Luna, have you ever heard of a cadaveric spasm no so break the words down a little bit like a cadaver like oh so like a dead body freaking doing involuntary movements yeah okay right okay so you've heard of rigor mortis right sure 
Okay, so rigor mortis is common. It actually happens. It's predictable and actually can help determine time of death because our bodies all go through a state of rigor mortis shortly after we become deceased. Um, and it's like clockwork. However, cadaveric spasms, although they are a spasm of, t of sorts, that, that, that means that the body uh, has tensed up, uh, is actually different than rigor mortis, where rigor mortis is timed, uh, it's full body, the whole body stiffens, and then it relaxes after, after a while, right? Um, cadaveric mm -hmm. spasms um, can happen at different times uh, during the process of being, being, being dead, being, becoming dead, mm -hmm. becoming deceased. So it kind of goes like this. It, it goes, as soon as somebody enters a state of being dead, a cadaveric spasm can happen, and it, it, it can happen ahead of rigor mortis. And then we go into that resting state of being deceased. Cadaveric spasms, rather than being whole body, are typically isolated to like a certain part of the body, like um, like the hand, for example. Um, and crime scenes can actually be affected. They have to factor in cadaveric spasms because it can affect a crime scene. For example, like oh. the, like a hand grip on a gun uh, could be an indicator, but they have to factor that in because the way the hand is gripping the gun may be due to a cadaveric spasm so that they're like you know if somebody comes in and they're like oh that that's not the way you would hold a gun if you shot yourself right maybe but you have to factor in that there there could have been a spasm that caused the, the gun shifting to be of the gun the or whatever right exactly yeah. um other things like uh grass or weeds in a in a fist of a drowning victim uh, could be indic indicative of a cadaveric spasm, um, or a handful of clothing, like their own clothing, or a, or or someone that accosted them prior to death. Uh, they may have a literal death grip on something from the scene, and so that should be factored in. You know what? One of those what might be uh, now that you're mentioning this. I think that I might have figured something out. There's been quite a few cases I've come across where they say that the body. So if a woman has been raped, murdered. <laughs> when they, they they find that the body she has her own hair ripped out of her own head in her hand. This happens like mm -hmm. a few times in the stories, and I've never been able to figure out like what that is. Like in the throes of being beaten and being raped, they did they, they grab their own hair and rip it out. Like how? Why would they do that? Right? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they had their hands yeah. to their face, and then they started to grip after death and pulled away. Exactly. I don't know. Hmm. Like you think about it, in a lot of cases, our hands are our defensive. Uh, appendages, right? So yeah. our hands are oftentimes covering portions of our body in the mode of being defensive against yes. an attacker. And if your hands are near your face and you are to spasm and your hand were to grip, grip your hair, yeah, mm. very likely. Also, Maybe. I was thinking, it's funny you mentioned that because I was thinking about that on the ride uh, home the other day. I was like, you know what? Here's a good tip for anybody. If you ever get kidnapped, subtly pull your hair out. Just pull, right. pull parts Drop of your hair out and leave it. Yeah, leave it because it's so hard to get rid of all of the evidence. And so if, you, if you're if you in a trunk or you're in a back seat, pull some hair out and stuff it in the back of the, you know, between the cushions. Um, you might nice. uh, might solve your own, own crime. Someday. Yeah, or masturbate. Yeah, that's what I would do. Yeah, I don't if you got hair. the time. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, they might even let you go uh, <laughs> if you do that. <laughs> yeah, this guy's weird. I might film it. I don't know. So probably to, at your own discretion, do that thing. Yeah. Oh, can I tell you a real fast story I just remembered yeah. right there? Yeah. My brother and I remember when uh, 
what was it? Vine. When Vine was out. Oh yeah. So yeah. Leroy Luna from the Excuse Me That's Illegal podcast. We had this mm-hmm. Vine thing going on where I would say, "Hey, you ever seen anybody somebody eat their own pubic hair?" And the and then the it would the camera would shift to Leroy <laughs> and he would stuff a bunch of pubic hair in his mouth and he mouth and he'd go, "Well, you have now." <laughs> We did all these videos like, hey, have you ever seen somebody lick a dog's butthole? And then it would go to Leroy and he's like, licks his dog's butthole, or it looks like, well, you have now. <laughs> Anyways, did it catch on? Where they Did they become viral? No. I think one of them had like 500 <laughs> hits. The pubic hair one, maybe. Real pubic hair, by the way. Sorry, Leroy. Holy cow. Oh, my goodness. That's, uh, yeah. It, well, if it didn't become viral, we could probably guarantee that, that uh, Leroy got a virus <laughs> from one of those... <laughs> <laughs> Ringworm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, what causes cadaveric spasm? Cadaveric spasms can be caused by. <laughs> I'm right back onto clinical. It's like a PowerPoint. <laughs> Thank you for your input, Jack. Now, yeah. back to the slide. Yeah. Slide 13. Let me just rewind here a yeah. minute. I'm cadaveric an spasms. Idiot in the back of the room just shouting out <laughs> pubic hair stories. Dog's butthole. Say something about dog's butthole. Yeah, all right, all right, back to it. So I kind of feel like this has lost its steam, but uh, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of reasons for cadaveric spasm, like fear, excitement. Actually, certain drugs in your system can cause it if you die, and the the, the drugs themselves can cause these spasms. So your body by itself may not, but if, if there are certain drugs inherent in your system, cadaveric spasm. Mm. So on that, how long do you think after death... The human body is still able to move. I don't. I. I really don't know. That's for always always freaked me out, though. I, I can take a guess. Uh, yeah. Six hours. Good. Good guess. Good close. One year. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, close though, really close. Uh-huh. No, okay, so it goes through phases, right? There's no way, unless you're a chicken McNugget, there's no way you're going to stay preserved for a year. But over the course of a year, uh, they've actually, this is crazy, but in researching this, I found in Australia and a couple other places, there's actual cadaver farms where they have mm-hmm. dead bodies out in the, the open and they're covered by cages, and stuff, but they're process of decomposition in the process of, you know, Mm-hmm. All that is is watched and monitored and recorded. And they state that a lot of movement actually happens in the body. And, you know, things you'd obviously be thinking about, like bloating and then not bloating as the body loses its fluids and everything, that kind of stuff. But, um, like, arms that are at the sides, mm-hmm. as tendons and muscles tighten, those arms can, over time, float to the sides of your body, Whoa. like, up and out. Uh, it's crazy stuff. So, so they 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 mention this because once again, it can affect the crime scene. It can affect you know placement of a body. It's crazy. So, oh, that was weird. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, very interesting. How much would you? How much would it cost? Like, would it take for you to eat one of the mushrooms that grow on those bodies once in a while? Oof. How much would someone have to pay you? Uh, there's two things that I question. In life, and that I, I try not to entertain. One is consumption of mushrooms that aren't on a pizza or I can buy in the, the grocery aisle because 
I'm not that adventurous. And two, river rafting, because I've seen professional guides get drowned in the river. Those two things mm-hmm. I don't trust. I just don't trust them. I'm like, I, I'll leave it to somebody else, and you let me know if that one's a magic one or that one's deadly or right. all rivers are deadly. So there you go. Yes. All right. So you, no amount of money in the world. <laughs> no amount of money. <laughs> that was my answer, no. too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oof. It was a, that was a test. Uh, you passed. Yeah, thank, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that leads us to the uh, the call today, uh, 4,000 minutes into this uh, episode, so hopefully you're still with us. So here's a little backstory. 20-year-old Taimisha Beauchamp had cerebral palsy and several other health issues, um, but the cerebral palsy was the major infliction in her life, not very functional because of it. Uh, it really, you know, it... it it, it basically wadded her up into a, a, a contorted form of, of what would be normally a... I think we all could picture it. Yeah. Like a tree, like an old uh, cypress yeah. tree. Gnarled. Yeah, yeah. It, it does... Cerebral palsy does does terrible things to contort the body. Right. Such was Timisha's plight. Back in 2020, which almost feels like you can't say back in 2020, but you, know, you can because it's in the past. <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, her mother, Erica Lattimore, noticed that her daughter was having difficulty breathing one day, and so she called 911. Hmm. Uh, emergency responders came right away, and they performed CPR on her for over 30 minutes. Okay? Wow. Uh, so after that, the, 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 the medical professionals that were on hand, the first responders, were actually part of the fire department um but they're qualified you know to perform cpr and do do a, a modicum level of of medical on-site treatment mm-hmm. um after they had determined that they had exhausted the options of cpr and all those things um they contacted a local emergency department physician over the phone who he received medical information uh from the fire department responders and he, based on their input, officially declared Taimisha dead remotely based on the information he'd received. Okay. Um, I didn't know that this is a thing, but I, I, and I don't know if this is a global thing, but it makes sense that the fire department, although they have medical training, that they need a medical professional, a doctor, to actually call time of death. So they consult with the doctor. So they call a, an, an ER, basically, and the doctor takes the information, and he's like, okay, official time of death is blah. Mm-hmm. So this happened to Tamisha. She died. And her godmother was holding her in her arms when they pronounced her dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, shortly thereafter, because she's pronounced dead, and I don't know if you know this, but uh, in most places in the U.S., I don't know about Canada. I should, look in, I should have looked into this before. A deceased body that is in your home and declared deceased is actually your property. Right. Uh, it is, you could, you could quickly, it could become a liability if you don't manage that dead body appropriately, right. mm-hmm. you know, it could be a crime, but it's yours to manage, to do what, you know, to process Right. as you would a, a loved one. So because of that, uh, arrangements were made uh, now that she was deceased, to transport her to a local funeral home where they would take over with the funeral proceedings and prepare Taimisha for burial. So that leads us to the call. 
Uh, you ready wow. for me, too? Yeah, this is interesting. <clears throat> hey, can I just quickly uh, fact yeah. check myself here? I said like a cypress tree, and I'm looking at pictures of cypress trees, and they're like got the best posture I've ever seen on a tree before. <laughs> <laughs> so my bad. Anyone was screaming at, screaming at me, I, I, I heard you. I heard you screaming through the ether. <laughs> so... So you were hung up on the fact that we had uh, we had uh, likened a cypress tree to someone with cerebral palsy, and you wanted to make sure that the, the structure of that tree was yeah. anatomically correct for the <laughs> for the analogy. And it wasn't. It was not. So I'm I'm really glad we cleared that up because that was a burning question in the back of my mind too. You've you've helped me, yes. and you've helped all of those. What do you call them? The tree people? Uh, horticulturists or something? Um. Arborist, you've helped every arborist, arborist who listens to this show. You've helped them all greatly. I appreciate it. That's they appreciate it. And now, yeah. with that being said, <laughs> and us wrapping that up with a nice bow, are you ready for me to hit play? I am. I'm ready. Okay. All right. Here we go. Call one. Call on Sunday, August 23rd, 2020, 1143 and 18 seconds a.m. Go there, lady. Nine one one. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah. So I need to get an EMS truck to uh, sixteen one hundred safer uh, highway to James Hope Funeral Home to the garage. I picked um, the deceased patient up uh, for for the uh, from the house. The mother told me she's deceased. She's breathing and uh, she's uh, breathing out her mouth and her stomach is still breathing. So mother said they said they're gonna be breathing by the next. Oh, oh, okay. All right. I go back to the go back to the front. Okay. 
You said how many how many times did she breathe it? She constantly breathing in and out. She's constantly breathing in and out every. What? No, no. Listen to me. I need you to look right. at her. I need you to look okay, at her. I'm coming back to her now. And every time okay. she takes a breath, and every time she takes a breath in, say the word now. Now she's breathing short, short breath, and her tongue is moving. Just, just, just say now. Every time she breathes in. Now, now. Say now every time she breathes in. Say now every time she breathes in. Now. 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 She's constantly, constantly breathing. My tongue is moving. Okay. I'm sending paramedics to help you not stand the line. I'll tell you exactly what to do next. There's AED available. Defibrillator available since I want to get it now in case we need it later. Reassure her help is on the way. From now on, don't let her have anything need to drink. It might make a second cause for the problems. Don't move unless absolutely necessary. Just tell her to be still waiting for help to arrive. I'll stay on the phone as long as I can. Watch her very closely, look for any changes. She becomes less awake and starts to get worse. Tell me immediately and tell me when the paramedics are right with her. What's your name? Her name is Mr. Holmes. And telephone number. Let me go up in the front. Okay, yeah, you can go up in the front. Just let me know when EMS gets there. I'm going to be on the line advising you as they en route to the location. There's going to be a brief moment of silence, but I am still on the line. Okay. I'll stay on the line. I'll be advising you as EMS is en route to the location. There's going to be a brief moments of silence, but I'll still be on the line. Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, that happy uh, ending came early today, uh. Most of the time with the happy endings, they're just they're so nice, but there's not a whole lot of backstory. Or they just they float on their own. This one there's a there's a lot of Whoa. meat on the bone. So it's... just a couple things there. First observations. One, <laughs> I didn't know that Louis Farrakhan was also a part time nine one one dispatcher. That was amazing. That guy had a beautiful voice. Yeah. i I just felt like I was like in that back in like Tuskegee, Alabama, in a Baptist church, just you know, being lulled into some excellent, yeah. you know, speech by some. Oh, I know. The like, dispatcher should have told him to get away from the body because he was going to lull her back to sleep, man. He was going to lull her back into the no-no land. Like that, it was so crazy. The when the first time he asked him to say now, he's like now, and then nothing. It's like, okay, do we have a problem here or what? <laughs> yeah, like oh, oh, sorry, I got, I got, I got distracted making a paper airplane. <laughs> and then, okay, now do it. And he's like, now, now. Oh, sorry. I was looking at my finger now. But that guy's voice was amazing. I mean, can you imagine? Like, get, like I'll bet you there's a whole reel of that guy that they've recorded where he's just like, all right, now, <laughs> what I want you to do next is to place your hands on top of the woman. And when I say touch her, I mean... Touch her spiritually. Now. Now. And now. <laughs> you know, that guy, oh man, I was like, I was feeling good. Too much. Hey, uh, did, you, did you catch the one part where he's like, I don't know, something wrong with her. And then and then uh, they had to beep out what he was, how he was describing her. Like, what was he saying? Was he dropping R-bombs and saying cripple and things like that? Like, that's what it sounded like. 
<laughs> Probably. Oh, that man. was pretty funny. You know, but <laughs> my other part I loved was when he was like, I mean, when they get here, they're supposed to be dead. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to do with that. Yeah, that's kind of one of those boxes you should check before you send them to the funeral home. Because I, I have heard, I, have, I would wager that if they try to inject you with embalming fluid while you're alive, it probably doesn't feel too good. Oof. Definitely not. Oh, my goodness. And we should stop laughing because there's a very serious situation going on here, too. Yes. So what happened? Yes. So this just kind of kicked off some confusion. So after being declared dead, Taimisha's godmother, who was holding her body in her arms. Now, also remember, the guy at the funeral home aged her at 12, right? He said, I don't know. She's right, probably, right. I think she's 12, 13. That's how small she was because of the cerebral palsy. Mm-hmm. And so she looked very, very small for her age, but she was right. 20. At the time, when, when, when her grandmother was holding her in her arms, she had actually stated to the police that had showed up after the, medical, after the fire uh, medics had arrived, uh, the, the medical professionals were leaving the house, having already called the death at the time, consulting the doctor. Yeah. And the police were still in the house, and Taimisha's godmother is holding her in her arms, and she says, I think she just breathed. Mm. And the police are like, hang on. So the police go back out. They grab the medical responders, the first responders, and bring them back in to say, hey, could you check her vitals? They replied that said, due to the medications that Taimisha was on, it's common to see movement as if she's alive. And so they just kind of left it at that and said, "Eh, no, she's dead. Wow. Uh, Didn't come back in the house, didn't check her vitals or anything. Just like, no, no, she's pretty much dead. Yep. uh, We're moving on. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. So as the funeral home workers, (sighs) as you heard, are unloading her body at the funeral home, they discovered that Tamisha was alive. Her eyes were wide open and she, she actually took a gasp of air. Uh, that wow. that's what really triggered it. They were like, "Oh my gosh, this person's not dead." Uh, so she was rushed to the hospital, where they contacted from the hospital, contacted her mother. Her mother was informed that Tamisha was breathing and that she was at the hospital. And this this threw her off. She's like, "My daughter's dead, and she's at a funeral home. She's she just got taken to a funeral home. I watched her die. So what?" And so they had to, you know, explain to her. Right. So a whole investigation ensued. And because of it, four emergency responders were put on leave. Two of them subsequently were fired due to the incident. Wow. Yeah. Uh, You know, but in any case, seeing our loved ones moving brings a sense of hope. Anytime you would see that happen, you know, I don't know if you're like me, but I'm constantly like... If I lay in bed next to Bean Bean, I wake up all the time and I'm just watching to see her chest rise, you know? Always, man. I'll wake my kids up. I'll wake them up just to if, if they're not breathing, if they're breathing shallowly and I can't quite see, I'll kind of like shift them and touch their forehead and move their face around. They're like, what are you doing? Stop touching me. Uh, yeah. yeah. Put your finger in their nose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tweaking their nipples. Purple nipple. Wake up. <laughs> Them. And then they wake up. They're like, "What's going? On? What's the jam? What the jam jam's going on?" You're like, "Nothing. What? You just had to be a dream." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hush, hush now, baby. Hush now, baby. I'm here for you. <laughs> He's 14. 
He's just a couple more years away from learning about the word Munchausen's. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's, it's coming quick. <laughs> You're not going to be able to do that too long. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. But, you know, when somebody that we love is pronounced dead and they start moving, it's we're, we're wired to just not allow the proverbial plug to be pulled. There's, you know... Yeah. We don't, we don't, we, we will, our brains will defy all logic and say, no, no, I won't let it happen. There's actually another woman named Takesha McKitty, not Taimisha, but Takesha uh, from way back in 2017, who doctors said died of a drug overdose. She was over, she overdosed and then she was rushed to a hospital where they had her on life support. Uh, the doctors that were assigned to her stated that the movement that, that the family was seeing in her legs and her feet, and there's actually video of it you can find, that that movement wasn't coming from anything above the brain stem. So in other words, this was not triggered by voluntary brain function, that it was actually coming from spinal uh, responses. Okay. And that she was still basically in a vegetative state. Um, but like I said, you know, good luck in convincing the family of this. So movement often is pretty compelling and it amplifies our desire to keep the person alive. Right. Ultimately, as in the case with Takesha in 2017, it comes down to money. You know, how long can you push the hospital to say, no, don't pull the plug. Right. And they're like, well, time is money. We, we you know, really want to help. But it turns out, you know, she had been brain dead and she died because of that drug overdose but uh it was also possible that because of the drugs in her system that could also be contributing to the motion that they were seeing even over a period of time uh kind of like what i was talking about with cadaveric spasms but different but same ballpark kind of thing Mm -hmm. now i sound like a doctor (laughs) you do i'm gonna get so in so much trouble um okay (laughs) so so back to tamisha's case Jeez. To, to add more fuel to the fire of what already was a civic soup sandwich, the family's attorney is um, he's annoying, he's super annoying. Uh, he really got in the way of the investigation and put a lot of information out there that just was patently false, according to the authorities. And they, they had to constantly keep going back and doing public addresses to bat down the things he was putting out there in his own public addresses. Like, for example, he claimed that uh, they put Tamisha in a body bag and that she gasped for air when they opened the bag. But she was never in a body bag, according to both the witnesses and the authorities. Never. Uh, you know, okay. So it seemed, it seemed like he was uh, kind of ambulance chasing in a way. Like, right. He was looking for the slip and fall victim, and then he's like, "We can make money off this. Watch this. Right. Hold my beer." Yeah, yeah. You know. Um, so he also it's already bad enough, though. You figure it's already bad enough. You don't got to add on all that crap. There are some people that seem even today to show up when there's tragedy. I can't stand these kind of people, like famous people that just show up when there's a tragedy, and suddenly yeah. they're the voice of the 
of the victims it drives me crazy you know to the family it feels like a warm blanket i'm sure that you know they're getting some visibility credibility whatever but but it just mm-hmm. seems it's it's such a it's such a smarmy way of living i think and well you see it not just with like say these ambulance chasers that you're talking about but you see it with family members some people they're like i don't know i call them like angels of death like they kind of swoop in and act like like they'd like to be a part of that whole process because they can get some attention for themselves based yes. on this tragedy that's happening right i would see that a lot when i worked at nursing homes you would see the per- some family member would show up and they're like running the show it's like who the f- who are you no, haven't seen yeah. you once but they'd like to be around uh just because there's there's attention to be garnered towards themselves they'll go post on facebook oh my niece blah 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 it's like yeah what are those? What are those flies that show up only when a dead body's around? Right. Yeah. Uh, I forget what they're blow called. Blowflies. Blowflies. Blow sure. Blowflies. They're like blowflies in a way. They they see a tragedy, family especially that, that happens, and suddenly these people that never were around suddenly appear, and they're morally indignant, and they're just swatting at anything that could look like there was a miscalculation or mm-hmm. misdiagnosis uh, or anything that they could possibly see as as potential to generate revenue yep. uh, or attention, mm-hmm. and then as soon as the well is run dry, they just disappear again. Yeah, yep. just mm-hmm. they're there a profit. It's sad, sad. Yep. This guy, this attorney, also helped the family to sue the city for $50 million was the lawsuit. Oh. I looked into it. The town that they, that they live in, the total entire budget of Southfield, Michigan, their operating budget in 2020 – was 160 million. So basically he was asking for a third of the operating budget of the whole city right. because, you know, a couple people had uh, you know, done CPR for 30 minutes and then called her, you know, deceased, which Yeah. I I don't know. I'm I'm sad that it happened, but 30 minutes of CPR and no no vitals. Yeah. You know, kind of looks like they're dead. So yeah, you got to question whether they actually did that, though, considering that she was still alive. That's, that's yeah. unbelievable. But Or th- consider the fact that she was never really dead and they were doing CPR right. on a person that their heart beating, you know. So they could have been actually affecting her more, uh, which mm-hmm. turned out may have been the case and was a little bit of one of the reasons why the, the lawyer for the family was leaning so heavily on the city because – uh, she did. She died eight weeks later in the hospital. Uh, but oh, but, she did. You know, this was yeah. But this wasn't a woman that was. I mean, we're not talking about a marathon runner who went down. You know, this is right. a person that was. They, she struggled her whole life and made it to age twenty with a severely debilitating disease. You know, on a on a battery of medication. Yeah, I, I see where you're going with that. I mean, I agree. It just seems like a. It's just a really odd case, like uh, a one in a. 50 million chance. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I wouldn't be on the show if it happened very often, right? So right. yeah, that's that's wild. And I could I can't imagine being the the funeral home having to go like, "Okay, what's procedure? What do we do when this happens? Uh, what do, we do? <laughs> do we return? Is there like an RMA form with the UPS or how do we get how do we don't how do we return the body to Amazon?" Yeah, it's like, <laughs> what? Just box her up, send her back, I guess. It's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's fine. Now, so the, the the lawsuit actually hasn't been settled yet, but my guess it's won't end up being $50 million. That'd, you know, that'd kill a whole city. So, <laughs> right. Wow, that was quite the ride. Um, yeah. 
What a ride. That was crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You want a uh, you want a happy ending? Yeah, I do. Okay. I got a question for you. Hit me. All right. Hey Luna. Hi. Hey. How long can a person stay in water before their skin falls off? No idea. So there's a phase that our skin goes through. Uh, you might have noticed it when you're in a bathtub a little too long. It's called skin maceration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I tell you something about that? The, I'm not sure. sure if this is true. Maybe the audience will yell at me about this because this could be just an urban legend or something. I, I think it's true, though. I've been telling my kids it, so I hope it's true. Like the reason why your skin does that is because when you're water is to give you a better grip on things. All right. Like oh. so that you're, it's like the tread of a tire. The water runs off of it easier, and you can grab onto rocks and things like that easier yeah. when you're in water. Makes makes sense. Makes sense. Once you're dead, I don't know how that helps, but yeah, when you're alive, I could definitely see how that could help you grip. <laughs> right. But the process of becoming more and more wrinkly it, it actually increases as we die. So you wouldn't notice extreme skin maceration uh, beyond the uh, in the first couple hours. You know, it does what we've seen our bodies do in the bathtub. Beyond mm-hmm. that, though. You know, anywhere where you have, like, thicker skin, like if you're a guitar player, like the ends of your fingers or or calluses, you know, that kind of thing. That's a buildup of keratin in the skin Mm. tissue. And uh, those those parts start to slough off. And actually the hands and the feet, given the right conditions, can do a process called degloving, which is basically your hands and feet slide off like gloves. Wow. Uh, lastly being your fingernails to give way. But but yeah, so after a little while of being in the water too long, uh, your body can deglove uh, its hands and feet. So <sighs> what a word for that, man. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, th- so there's a guy named Mark Eskelson, and he's homeless, was homeless, is, I don't know, maybe he's still homeless, I don't know. Probably didn't get Probably. too much further after this 911 call we're about to hear, but he he got stuck in some water and decided to call 911. Would you like to hear the, the call? <laughs> I don't see how this could be happy, but yes, I'd love to hear this call. <laughs> okay, here we go. You need police, fire, or medical? This isn't a joke. It's a, me- um, it's a medical fire. Hey, I'm in the Four Seasons pool over here, and uh, believe it or not, I am the, uh, <laughs> I'm the sheriff of Washington County, and I've been in this hot tub here for, I don't know, at least 10 hours, and I cannot get anybody to stop and let me out and get me to- I got no towels or nothing, and uh, <laughs> okay. send some people to get me out of here, please. I had three towels, but they all ended up in the hot tub, and they're all soaking wet, and they're not going to do me any good. So. Okay. We're, we got the help on the way. I just uh, I wanted to find out because we had not started medical help, and so I don't need any medical help. I just need a couple towels and free. Man, really for real. And this is uh, this this phone burns minutes, and I don't have a lot of them, and I really am homeless. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. And if they want to get me, write me up for trespass or whatever. So be it. I got to go to court Monday morning, and I want to get out of here so I don't die because I want to get to my court date Monday morning. So I've been in here for a while. Yeah, I, mean, no, I hear you. I've never seen hands turn into prunes quite like the ones I have on attached to me right now. Yeah, so you're sure you don't need any medical help started at this point? You just need yeah, positive. I just need a, I need a hug and a, you know a warm cup of hot chocolate with some water. Oh my gosh. So 
Uh, Mark. Did he say he was a cop? Did he say he was yeah. a cop at the start? Yeah, he did. He actually, yeah, he said he was the uh, sheriff of Washington County, <laughs> and then for maybe forgot that he said that, and then immediately said one that he was homeless and that he was on like a cricket phone, maybe or something yeah. with minutes. So yes. he he was burning through his minutes trying to. Here, okay, a couple things. Let's let's just talk about uh, hot tub uh, construction for a moment. The deepest part of a hot tub, uh, as far as I can recall, is not the the gates of Moria from Lord of the Rings. It's not really deep in there. Right. And if I'm not mistaken, the the seat part where you sit also doubles as a step to get out. Sure. <laughs> so yeah. I'm not sure. And then I was thinking about it this way. I was thinking, basically, if he got it at got in at lunchtime uh somehow he's so dumb that he stayed in till 10 p.m wow. <laughs> and uh somehow like once again he's in a hot tub at sort of ground level his head's above ground level though and as people walk by like how does that go he's like hey uh, hey can you help me out like how many people walk by and don't help this guy like yeah. how how does that happen and then somehow he had three towels but they all ended up in the hot. I nothing about this story seems no. to. And being and being a homeless guy, from my experience with homeless people, they don't really have a problem asking people for help that are walking past. You know, no, like this exactly. guy's just really like go get. A, is there a cypress tree around? They're perfect. You can get right behind them. They're erect, just like a very well postured human being go shuffle around behind a cypress tree if there's one nearby sir but like this is so odd he would stay that long how, back, how are you allowed to stay to that cypress. long in a hot tub anyways if you're a homeless he, guy like didn't so yeah he said he was at the four seasons or the hilton or so he's at like a shishi fruit fruit kind of place and here he is like just hanging and no one's helping him. So weird thing. Neighbors actually called police complaining that there was a man yelling outside. Right. Uh, when when they asked him if he had a weapon, he said no, and that uh, he had fingers that were so numb they've turned into prunes. Uh, he said, even if I did have a gun, I don't think I could hold on to it right now. <laughs> Because <laughs> it would probably right. be wrapped up in three towels somewhere floating in the hot tub. Yeah. Where did, so he, what about, where's his clothes? I mean, he got in there naked. What's well, the that's, problem? Uh, that's the thing. Is I don't know if he's actually naked or he has clothes on. He doesn't really say. He just says he's cold. And that's another thing. Is the hot tub not on? Why is he? How did yeah. he? It, so much doesn't make sense. So ultimately, he was arrested for trespassing. He was also... Uh, Arrested for misusing the 911 system. So that was, mm. uh, here's an interesting thing, though. Uh, when they checked his cell phone, they realized that he had never actually called 911. Um, but he had called 411, uh, like the, the information hotline, like, hey, could I get the number of, you know, Wendy's down the road? And they're like, hold on one moment. So he called 411, and they forwarded him to, wow. <laughs> to 911. Oh my gosh! They found marijuana on him. It was probably soaked, uh, but uh, <laughs> that he seemed to be on drugs during the incident. Another thing: if he'd been in there ten hours, seems like the effects of marijuana would have worn off a bit if oh, he definitely. was on it. You know, so like 
None of this. How long was he smoking marijuana in the hot tub? Was he? Did he eat it? Is it absorbed through his skin? How much was there in the hot tub? Was it a soup of marijuana? I don't know any of the answers. (laughs) I just out of his mind, maybe. Saying he's a cop at the start and then going back and telling him he's a homeless guy. I mean, this guy's all over the place. Yeah. A a cup of hot cocoa and a hug. Is that what he asked for? Yeah. Hug a hug and a cup of hot cocoa, maybe with some marshmallows in it, if if I'm being honest. So he didn't get a hug or the cup of marshmallows. Hmm. That's all I got with this one. So. When when they went to grab him by the hand to pull him out, did he deglove though? Was that what you're talking <laughs> <De-glove>. about? Deglove. <laughs> <laughs> he could have. He very good. Very well could have. They found marijuana inside his hand glove that he. <laughs> he's like, how'd that get there? It was not. That's not even my hand. Keep <laughs> <laughs> dry. All right, oh, man. Anyway, that's that's all I got for that one. He didn't get a hug, but uh, hmm. all of you do. Hugs. Well, whether you were here for the last two hours listening to our uncut version over on Patreon or have been stomaching us for the last hour here on the free feed, we are grateful that you're here. We are grateful that you're part of this weird community that uh, you have built. Uh, We are so happy. And just you have saved us from this weird pandemic. You've saved us from... Our families at times <laughs> letting us stay out here in this Stu Stu Studios recording. And you've also helped us to pay the bills. We are so grateful here at 1159 Media. If you want more, we got it. Check out Dark Topic. And also check out True Crime Kent. And if you're really hungry and can't get enough, always check us out on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash 1159 Media. Sometime we'll have the store open again soon, so you'll have some merch to put on your body. And until then, hugs. <laughs>